0: Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at MarksDailyApple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at PrimalBlueprint.com. Jake Steiner, we are here
1: to end myopia, among other things, and learn about this fantastic path that you've been on, uh, listeners of the BRAD podcast will know that we've been connected for quite a while. We did a show on August 25th, 2020, and I was so inspired after that show that I took my reading glasses, computer glasses off, and quit cold turkey. I later learned that's maybe not the recommended way, but it was so exciting to realize that we're kind of headed down this strange path with our assumptions about prescription eyewear and what's going on with our eyes as we get older and all these things. Uh, my eye charts on my wall are so fun. And I want you to tell the, uh, the listeners all about this wonderful, uh, movement that you've created and how you got into it and all that stuff.
2: Sure. I will, I will give you the, uh, very, very short version. So I'm Jake Steiner. I'm a, I'm a trader and investor by trade. Uh, I got into this whole myopia thing as a personal adventure some 20 years ago because I had very high myopia, a very short-sighted, almost minus five diopters, meaning I couldn't see anything without glasses. I was wearing pretty thick glasses back then. And because I had a pretty analytical background from my actual work, mm-hmm. I started figuring out that optometry is selling us uh, symptom treatment and not addressing the cause. And that ended up being a rabbit hole for the last two decades of figuring out what's going on with our eyes, and the fact that you actually do not really need glasses. <laughs> so, uh, everybody listening, uh, probably ha-
1: 99% of them have better eyesight than you did at minus five. That's, that's an
2: extreme prescription, right? It's fairly high. Um, some Asian populations tend to have higher myopia than this, but for, for Western, it's, it's a little bit on the high side. If I put my glasses down, I can't find them. So, when you're at minus five, you always need to remember where you put those things, or you're going to have to ask somebody to help you find them.
1: Wow. And how, how did you get that way? I mean, when you were a child, did you first get a pair of glasses young, or how did that progress to that point?
2: Well, if you, if you trust the optometrist, they will tell you it's genetic. My genes are just no good.
1: Gee, that sounds like the heart attack story, type 2 diabetes, all the things that we hear that are locked into our genes.
2: Everything, everything is just genetic and who knows what caused it. But uh, I want to say around 12 or so, maybe back before, because I'm so old, this was, I lived in a time before screens. And so it was just reading, right? So now where it's five year old, six year old little kids getting okay. diagnosed with myopia not a medical condition, so the word diagnosis is a little weird because they have screens close to their face. For me, it was reading. So somebody in my age group, 40s or so, you, you probably started with the whole thing in your early teens. A lot of close-up. It's um, I always like people to refer people to scholar.google.com, uh, Google's scientific journal search engine. If you type in pseudo P.S. P-S-E-U-D-O, myopia, tens of thousands of search results will tell you that Short-sightedness actually starts as a muscle strain symptom. It's not a genetic illness or medical condition. And then your parents, well-intentioned as they are, take you to the optometrist. Optometrist, well-intentioned as he may be, sells you glasses. And once you get those glasses, every year or two, you kind of go up about a diopter. So do some of the terms for
1: us where we're talking about... um, I'm familiar with nearsighted and farsighted. Nearsighted being that you can't see well at long distance, paradoxically, I guess, with the terminology. But when you say short-sighted, you mean farsighted, difficulty reading or seeing a screen clearly? Short-sighted, nearsighted.
2: So I couldn't see oh. clearly at a distance.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. And is
2: that, uh, what, what's myopia? Same thing. Short-sighted, nearsighted, myopia, all the same thing. Farsighted. Presbyopia and hyperopia are the, the the part where you can't see clearly up close.
1: And which are you targeting with your with your exercises and your strategies?
2: Can't see clear at a distance.
1: Oh, okay. What about if you can't see clear up
2: close? Can't see clear up close can have multiple causes. We're all about addressing cause, so there's never a fix that I can advocate without addressing the cause. Presbyopia is age-related. The the lens in the eye that's responsible for focus hardens. So you lose some of the ability of the lens to shape itself, some of it. So your extreme close-up vision will be affected. Different story from lens dependence for presbyopia, if you don't start wearing reading glasses plus lenses, the flexibility of that lens appears to be maintained a little bit better. So even though technically that lens may be hardening to some degree, you may not need glasses. Hyperopia is the same symptom. You can't see clearly up close, but can happen at a younger age. And that's various causes. Usually the eyeball being slightly too long, slightly too short.
0: Sorry.
1: Okay. So when we're talking about looking at a screen, uh, 30 inches away uh, at a desktop thing or maybe closer with a laptop, um, which which problem is in play? I mean, where's the cutoff point where you're talking about farsighted versus nearsighted?
2: Generally speaking, so as you age, you lose a little bit of the extreme close-up accommodation ability, what it's called, the, the close-up vision it's not really, it's, it's an issue if you can't read a book, right? Like if you can't see something that's in that range of distance. The, the same apparent problem, though, is you can't see the screen because you're short-sighted, myopic, to a degree that you need your distance glasses to even see just the distance to your screen. You know what I mean? So even though the screen is technically up close, if I'm at a minus five, if I take those off, I can't even see the screen. Yeah, right? like I'm, I'm that short-sighted.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know if this is relevant to a lot of people, but I remember my progression of uh, having good vision until I was uh, seventeen or eighteen and sitting in the college lectures and realizing that the the board was blurry, and then go getting my first fit of glasses, and then probably fifteen or twenty years after that, I started to have difficulty with my computer screen, and so I used my uh, my, my distance vision glasses to sit at the computer, and that worked very well for uh, maybe another ten years and Then I went and uh, saw the the uh, optometry and they prescribed me a different pair to use at the computer versus driving and watching movies at nighttime and so I have these two different two different uh, sets of glasses, three pairs each, right, juggling around in my life we were joking about that and how how ridiculous it is but um, is that uh, is that
2: sort of a something that resonates to you, or, or maybe the listener? It's fairly common. The, uh-huh. the The problem is that if you go to the optic shop, it's a it's a retail store, right? Like unlike a hospital or medical facility, most optometrists, opticians are in shopping malls and places of retail business. So they're primarily in the business of selling you glasses, right? So when you're in your forties and you show up in there, they're taught. To to give you plus lenses, give you reading glasses, let you try those on. And generally speaking, you can be in that age range where it actually is a little bit more relaxing to see something up close. The problem, though, is once you start wearing those lenses, the the lens in the eye is no longer being challenged, shaped for close-up. So it loses more of that flexibility. And then you start depending on those
1: those Depending glasses. on the plus lenses.
2: Yes, correct. Yeah.
1: Um, and is the same dynamic at place when you first throw on your pair of minus lenses to see at long distance.
2: Slightly different. So what happens there is the whole thing starts as pseudomyopia. It's a muscle spasm. What happens is there's a there's a lens in the front of the eye, it's a flexible lens, it has a circular muscle around it. It's really cool design, biological design. And the closer you look at something, the tighter that muscle gets, called the ciliary muscle, shapes the lens to hit the, the light on the back of the eye where the retina is, where the visual signal gets processed. Right? When you are in that close-up mode, that muscle is tense to shape the lens. And if you're in that close-up mode for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, eventually that muscle doesn't fully relax. So you have a muscle spasm. So you first minus one, up the glasses, glasses were, were a muscle spasm. Problem is, so your muscle is stuck in close-up mode. So the light is in front of the retina instead of hitting the retina correctly. So if that muscle would relax, the light would converge correctly on the retina. But since it doesn't, because of muscle spasm, the optometrist just sells you a pair of minus glasses that move the light further back in your eye for you. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's ignoring the actual problem, the muscle spasm, And substituting for it, minus lenses. Problem with that is minus lenses cause something called to focus, where the light focuses a little bit behind the retina. And the eyeball has a system built into it that adjusts its length. So the eyeball can grow shorter and longer, not grow, adjust in length to be longer and shorter, which happens throughout your whole life all the time. Eyeball always adjusts. But now you're wearing the minus lenses, you're getting to focus, your eyes getting a signal that says, hey, I'm too short, and it elongates. And an elongated eyeball is myopia, short-sightedness, nearsightedness. So, <laughs> so once you start yeah, wearing those glasses, you're, you're giving yourself health, real myopia. Correct. So it's called lens-induced myopia. <laughs> oh, if you go mercy. to Google Scholar, yeah. yeah. So you go to Google Scholar, you type in lens-induced myopia, you get tens of thousands of search results in optometry and ophthalmology, peer-reviewed clinical science journals explaining this. So I I like to point this out because people tend to be skeptical as Mm. they should be with most internet things, but there's a ton of studies in the journals meant for that audience that explain what's happening. So basically lens induced myopia, you start wearing glasses, your eyeball elongates. And that's why in a year or two, you need stronger glasses because your eye adjusted for that, for that visual signal.
1: So this muscle spasm is occurring because uh we're trying like heck I'm I'm sitting in the college uh, lecture theater trying to focus on the whiteboard and it's it's blurry and my muscles uh in in a uh, in a position that's uh lasting too long and then it spasms is that what you're saying
2: it's stuck in the close up mode from when you were reading the book uh-huh so you ha- you read the book the muscle is quite tight while you're reading the book right and then now when you try to look at the distance, the muscle doesn't completely relax. So it's not giving you your full distance vision back. So the board is blurry, right? And if you, yeah. if okay. you went hiking for a weekend yeah. and skipped the books, the, the board would be clearer, right? At that stage, when you're, just, when you're not wearing glasses yet and you're just noticing the board is blurry, muscle spasm for most people in most cases
1: uh so if i wake up in the morning after resting my eyes for many hours and then head to the uh the optometrist office to get the test um i assume my eye is not in muscle spasm at that time if i haven't picked up a book in in many hours um so am i going to am i going to uh, deliver a, a better test than i might in everyday life when i'm on the screen for hours a day
2: very likely now and then that brings us to an interesting point. You can measure your own eyesight. You don't necessarily need the optometrist for the myopia measurement because diopters, myopia, the thing they're measuring is just how far can you see before you get blur. That's mm. all it is. You go to an ophthalmologist for annual checkups, ideally for everything else. I'm just talking about myopia and glasses. You can measure that at home. You can just take a measuring tape from your eye socket to a printed textbook and see how far you can move it from your face before you start to see the tiniest bit of blur. And that distance divided by hundred, right? hundred divided by the distance equals diopters. Mm. So diopter isn't some medical term or anything. Mm. (laughs) It's just an expression of the distance. Back to your point, you can measure your eyesight and it continuously varies. If you measure your eyesight after four hours of Netflix, it's going to be worse. The distance is going to be shorter then if you're well-rested and you went for a hike and you have good ambient natural light, that that distance is going to be greater, right? Same thing with the optometrist, even though these are not objective measurements and they're not held to a a standard. So some optometrists may have the light on in their exam room. Some may have the light off. Some may have a projected chart versus a printed chart. There's all kinds of variables where you can go from one optometrist to the next and get a different quote-unquote prescription.
1: Wow, what about the, the the outdoor optometrist who's holding <laughs> holding his exams in the in the bright sunlight? He's gonna, everyone's gonna pass because
2: it's so much easier to see. Shaded, yeah, because you know bright sunlight might be Our, difficult, but yeah, in the yeah. shade, everybody natural can pass, light, but, yeah. <laughs> but they're they're taught to, and the intention of that symptom treatment is to give you the maximum amount of correction. So when you put those things on everything is crystal clear, including at night, including you're driving your car in a rainstorm. You always just have just super crazy sharp vision. That's the that's the goal, right? And right. some say that optometrists try not to overcorrect like that, but in practice, they will keep upping the doctors when you're in that exam room until you say, I can't tell any difference anymore.
1: Right, and so my, my performance in the eye exam is a function of spending too much time focusing on close-up things and spasming my muscle every day for x number of hours and therefore i'm going to go in there and they're going to they're going to correct me because my eye muscle is not is not competent but i think what you're saying with the hiking on the weekend is um, if i if let's say i had a 30-day binge of uh you know hiking the pacific crest trail and not looking at anything close up would i go in there and have Theoretically, a different prescription even
2: because my eyes are in a different state? To some degree, yes. Depends. Now we're getting into the there's a lot of little finer details. I'm not recommending people throw away their glasses. If you're at minus five, you need those things for a while, right? The, the very, very short version is you can reduce about a diopter year on average in little quarter diopter decrements every three to four months, if yeah. you're doing everything else correctly. So slowly over time, you can make that reduction. Generally speaking, if you change the balance of how much time you spend up close and how much time you spend looking at a distance, your vision will improve as long as your glasses are not too strong, right? You want your vision to be like 20, 30 to the point where you can- make Corrected vision, you mean? Yes, correct. Yeah. So where okay. there's a little bit of challenge remaining not to, the, not to an extent that you fall into manhole covers or you can't make out the faces of your friends, but just a little bit, right? So if you combine 2030 and a month of hiking, you're going to notice that that 2030 is going to be probably 2020 at that point.
1: Yeah, I was stunned to uh, go through your protocol and it was simple as uh, printing out an eye chart, putting it on the wall and testing myself frequently, um, one being coming right off the screen uh, for hours, and then having you know a, a, a taped mark on the on the floor that was let's say six and a half feet away from line number four when I discovered a blurry, and then coming back from a, a day outside, and I'm now at you know eight feet or well further before the same blur occurs with the same person, even on the same day. And so I think, you know, it's solidified that you have a point here that there's so much we can do besides just uh, assume that we're putting on these, uh, essentially they're crutches, I suppose you could compare them to uh, a brace or a crutch that you put on your knee or your ankle and, you know, thereby atrophy and weaken the joint and your own natural ability to withstand uh, impact and whatnot.
2: Yeah, that and that's exactly right. I the primal concept, that underlying idea I love very much because it it helps to look at some of these things or many of these things in a much more accurate way or, or coming from a much more curious perspective, as opposed to you have to realize optometry, the selling of lenses is a hundred billion dollar a year industry. Hundred billion dollars. Like Glasses, those those plastic lenses cost the optometrists anywhere from two to five dollars wholesale, their cost. The thing you're paying a hundred bucks for, two to three dollars, right? So what, what what is this a, like jewelry or something? What why all the markup? That that's crazy. It is an intensely profitable business and lenses in plenty of countries aren't prescriptions. The only reasons there are prescriptions in countries like the U.S. is because lens manufacturers did a ton of lobbying, spent Mm. millions of dollars on lobbying to make a clear curved piece of plastic a prescription, right? Mm. So now they're protecting the whole, you can only buy those things from a guy who sells them to you at that markup. That's kind of falling apart now, now that there's Zenni and all those internet places. Mm. We can buy glasses for 20 bucks, right? But that was... The whole prescription thing and the whole we don't know it's genetic thing is all just it's protecting a hundred billion dollar year industry and a massive amount of profit.
1: Well, it seems like you can get the the plus, the reading corrections right off the shelf. So why not the minuses? That, that That's the weird part. And you just told me we can measure our own eyesight and you got to plug your app, too, because that's the funnest way to measure your own
2: eyesight. So the app is still not so much pluggable it's in very early stages um there's an iphone app and there's an android app that's community developed so it's you know it kind of works the iphone app only goes to about four four and a half doctors uh close right as close as you can hold it that's a limitation of the hardware so it's still we're very much working on it but the basic premise is your front facing camera can measure the distance to your eyes So what the app does is it finds your eyes and it just tells you how far your phone is from your eyes. So if you have an average amount of myopia on less than four and a half diopters, you can can pick up your phone, turn on the app, the app finds your eyes, and it just tells you how far that is. And you can look at the result in centimeters or inches or diopters, right? So you can literally just look at the screen and be like the tiniest amount of blur. People sometimes underestimate, right? They let a little bit more blur happen. Mm. Tiniest bit... That's where, that's the amount of doctors you would need for perfectly corrected vision. Mm-hmm. Or a measuring tape, same, same result. Uh, and again,
1: you can check these with the different lifestyle variables. The other thing I like to do is test in different uh, light circumstances and notice how much better my eyes are in natural light. Not not bright sunlight i, I didn't uh, I didn't explain that well, but you know when i'm sitting in the uh, the, the, the sunny uh, kitchen window without you know having to squint, uh, but my eyesight is fantastic compared to uh late in the evening uh, with with dim indoor lighting
2: yeah, and especially the artificial lights like shopping mm. malls and stuff those, those they mess fluorescents too, huh? and stuff they have these weird narrow light spectrums that you can walk. From outside, you can be a 2020. You walk in there, the locks, the the ambient brightness is relatively similar, not the same as outdoor lighting, but should be. You should get better vision than you do. But these narrow spectrum lights just do something where you just acuity drops a ton, and some people are sensitive to that. Like I'm sensitive to it. Like if I spend more than an hour in a shopping mall, my eyesight is all funky
1: yeah I feel the strain of just walking under those lights if I'm shopping at the big box store and it just starts to get annoying after a while. Mm-hmm. So I have so many things to ask and some practical tips to give the the listener because I've had such a great journey so far here. It's now um, I guess around uh, around six months where I've made a concerted effort to minimize my use of glasses uh, rather than rather than maximize them, which Pretty much I was on that on that road um for, for many decades because they gave them to me. They you know, the um the correction was beautiful. You put them on and everything's so clear and, and it feels feels great. Uh, but you know, not wanting to to board that train to uh continued demise or even accelerated demise. So maybe we could talk about the uh the Jake strategy to turn the corner here and, and bravely, boldly go to the the life of a little bit of blur, to quote you.
2: Yes, and I want to throw in one other thing here because for a lot of people, and maybe I should have started with this earlier, for a lot of people, this is not an important topic mm. because there is a fix. You throw mm-hmm. on some glasses. I'm too busy, pop con- yeah. Pop in some yeah. contact lenses. You get LASIK, God forbid. There, There's a fix, right? Like, so in your, in your life's list of things to do, it's not high enough to where you're like, eh, I can't take on another project right now. But the... <laughs> the reality is we're talking about your vision, like how you perceive your environment. And there's, I'm, I won't dive into all of the factors because that would get really long, but it's anywhere from at minus five, I see a smaller world than you do. Like if, if you have high-dopter glasses and you move them a little further from your eyes, you see how the the image on the lens is just smaller, right? So everything's compressed. You don't see the same, you don't see the same reality with high-dopter glasses. Also, Posture is significantly affected, less with contacts, more with glasses. For example, people with glasses tend to look at their feet when they walk Mm. because they don't have peripheral vision, right? So even though all of us may look at the ground when we walk, if you're wearing glasses where your peripheral vision is compromised, you have to look at the ground, right? So you walk different. Your neck posture is different. The way you interact with other people is different because your eye movement is restricted to the center of the lens. You only get correct vision from for the center of your lens. So where other people may incorporate very slightly more eye movement, you're moving your neck more, like you're a little bit less fluid in your, in your social interactions, right? So this whole nerd thing that people get into, uh-huh. like you act different because you're… Yeah. Right? You're yeah, you stuck. In I, I think
1: I mean, uh, I, I don't know uh, how how valid this is, but um, I feel like there's a personality aspect there too, where I, I think it's easy to illustrate when you think about talking to someone who's wearing dark glasses and you're, you know you're you're behind a barrier to the extent that the, the interaction has dramatically changed. I'm talking about if they're wearing them indoors, like a celebrity is, you know, or, or you're interviewing someone who's wearing dark glasses and won't take them off. And it, it's really strange. And I remember doing this um, personal growth retreat years ago where they put you into exercises and it's a long, exhausting weekend, kind of like those Tony Robbins things, or the uh, they used to call them Esther Lifespring, where you, you'd really dig down into your personality. And the facilitator would always have the people remove their glasses before they did a one-on-one interface. And then we'd do the exercise where we'd talk to the person directly uh, and listen for two minutes and then switch and the other person would talk. And there was a big point of taking those glasses off so that you could kind of strengthen that connection and look right into someone's eyes and have a meaningful conversation. And I'll, I'll never forget that because, you know, we assume these things, oh, this person wears glasses. So I always talk to them through this glass wall. And it is kind of a big deal if you want to get a little esoteric about it.
2: Yeah, and that's definitely esoteric for sure. Probably should have thrown in that, that one too. <laughs> esoteric also, your peripheral vision in general isn't working, right? So anxiety can be a factor because your visual cortex just is on alert mode because the things that will come and eat you, you can't see them, right? So people that are more anxious, more cautious, sports, like I stopped mm. doing, like I used to play water polo and I loved it but as my glasses got stronger and stronger i just couldn't do it anymore because i couldn't see the ball right soccer and stuff i was afraid of the ball because mm. if the ball would come flying from from outside of my central vision i'm not seeing it hits me in the face right so it made it changed in my teenage years how i socially interacted with my peers right because i just got scared of the thing it, and i didn't realize this till in hindsight like I, I kite surf now i paraglide i do all kinds of things that I didn't see myself doing because I didn't think I had the capacity, right? Like everything from fine motor control to just the ability to function in those environments. Once I didn't need glasses anymore, completely changed my interaction with with my environment. So I think for people that are not so much into it, because they're like, hey, I wear my contacts, I'm fine. There's a lot of related bits that you can be fixing by addressing your eyesight.
1: Okay, so if we want to go from minus four or minus even more than that, um, rather than peeling our glasses off, like Brad Kearns, who I have to say my eyesight was not terrible to begin with with either of those prescriptions, right? So I was able to function on my computer, ditching the reading glasses, and my distance vision was used mainly for seeing at night when I was driving or or watching a movie or wanted that clarity. Uh, But, you know, the the revelation that if I just... uh, absorbed that slight amount of discomfort you're talking about, but not too much. Let's let's talk through that, that little bit of blur strategy.
2: So the short version, it's not a 10-step thing, right? Like I always say, it's like taking a basic university course, like figure you're going to invest a month or two in just educating yourself about some basics, like how the biology works and how optics work, just simple little things. And a lot of little details about what habits affect your eyesight and what stimulus affects your eyesight. So there isn't really a super quick answer. But the short version is, don't wear your distance glasses during close-up, right? Those things are are meant for distance vision. Anytime you wear stuff that you can see to infinity with clearly, up close, hyperopic to focus, Mm. right? Also more strain on the ciliary. So starting point, adopter to adopter and a half less, for close-up, right? Get computer glasses, basically. Mm. And ideally, what you would do is you would measure your screen distance, like your normal, ergonomically comfortable distance, and get yourself a pair of glasses that only let you see clearly to that distance, right? So if I move back a little bit, te- text is blurry. So now I have a super convenient way to challenge my sight, just sitting in front of my screen. I move back a little bit, things are blurry, blink, try to clear it up. And that we call it active focus. It's something that everybody has who's got good natural vision. And most people who wear strong glasses forgot how that works. It's just something's a little bit blurry, is normal that happens, right? You can have great eyesight, still happens. If you have great eyesight, you you just instinctively you blink at it and it clears up to some degree, right? Like there's a there's an amount of of active vision that you can challenge. That everybody has. If you've been wearing strong glasses forever, it may take you a while to rediscover that ability. But the idea there is you wear adopted and half lower for close-up. Now your screen is clear at an ergonomically comfortable distance. You move back an inch and things start to blur. And now you can practice that active focus and challenge your vision, giving it that stimulus that over time improves your eyesight. Right. So that's the first part is you have to address the close-up. You cannot wear distance glasses for close-up without introducing a lot more strain and potentially causing your eyesight to get worse. And then the second part is you do the same thing for distance. First, you figure it out for close-up. You spend a month or so enjoying that. Don't mess with your distance classes at all. Figure out the one focal plane first where you're comfortable. You're not outside. You're not driving. You're not walking. You're just sitting in front of your desk. Really simple and safe way to figure out what works for me. Right. And then after a month or two, you're, Your eyes are more relaxed. Your vision might already be improving. Then you figure out, what do I need for distance, right? If you used to have a minus four and it might be minus 3.5, will give you a really similar result, right? Like maybe it'll not quite give you super crystal clear vision, but it'll be fine to make out facial expressions, recognize your friends. DMV requires 2040 Hmm. for driving. And I'm not saying you should wear anything (laughs) low for driving anyway, but I'm just saying like 2030 is still quite good. So eventually you address your distance glasses to include a little bit of challenge. You just dial them down a tiny little bit.
1: So you're saying, (laughs) go into the optometrist and say, Hey, I want to change. I want a new prescription uh, a little bit uh, off my, my, uh, my, my piece of paper, my script here and, and try to fight that battle. I guess that doesn't
2: sound easy. No. So people make it work. And mm. I always i I'm spoiled because I mean here, for example, or like right now I'm in Thailand, I can just walk into a glass shop and tell my one minus three, and they'll sell me minus three, like
1: no it, prescription it, necessary,
2: but they're not protecting their lens profits the way that the the smart ones have done in for example, in the u s technically though, so here's my thing. I don't like starting fights with people. Mm. You we know, all want to get along i I used to go I myself used to go to optometrists. If I move to a new town, I need a guy that sells me low doctor glasses. I just walk into, especially mom-and-pop places, late morning, and I just say, when I work in front of the computer, my distance glasses give me a headache, right? And my old optometrist gave me a doctor and a half-less for computer glasses. The dog ate them. Will you make me new ones? Mm. If they say no, then I just go to the next one. Yeah. Somebody yeah. will, right? Yeah. They don't – they technically – there's a little bit of a liability question mm. because if you start driving around with those and you get an accident mm. and they go, hey, where did you get those glasses? Oops, right? So you have to be kind and realize that they're going out on a limp for you, making you those. And then for distance vision, per law, like for example, what I said about the DMV, it's 2040 is the requirement. There is no legal requirement for them to give you the strongest possible glasses. It's not worth going down the argument route, but technically... Again, here the headaches, right? Like you correct me to 2015 in the dark, I get headaches, right? Just let's do 2030. Mm. And if they got you computer glasses, they will hook you up with that also, right? I usually avoid the big story, right? Because then you're really getting into their fundamental belief system of mm. its genetic and glasses are the answer. You don't, you, you don't want to assault that, right? So generally, I'm just like, hey, this is what I need. Somebody's going to be friendly. And then you bring them coffee and donuts, and then you have a local supplier. Right. <laughs> or you buy them online. That's what most people mm, do. Right. They go on Zenny and they say minus three, and Zenny ships you minus three.
1: Yeah, I haven't bought glasses online in eight years or something, but I remember having to call the optometrist's office, extract the prescription from them when I wasn't buying from their little shop, and it was a whole big deal, and I finally got a hold of it and then was able to get a verified a purchase, but they—I don't think they would sell me anything a long time ago. But it's nice to know there's people out there that you can, you can pick and choose whatever you, whatever correction you want.
2: Yeah, and it's technically they're supposed to verify. Mm. I, I really don't like calling those things prescriptions. I call them subscriptions normally mm. because, <laughs> you know, it's like I'm not saying it's a medical device. It's a clear piece of plastic, and because of lobbying, they got this thing around. So now when when they say the bill is two hundred dollars, it's a prescription right you don't question it right mm. it's it's a really helpful sales tactic because if you said these two pieces of plastic are $200 you might go really are they though because they're 2 to 5 dollars there's there's a there's an article in the LA times a while back if you search LA times lens crafters there was just a huge fallout one of the senior executives left and told the whole lens craft of stories from the 5,000% markups to the way they deal with customers. Like it is dubious mm-hmm. in a lot of cases. And this is not to paint all of optometry mm-hmm. with the same brush, but there's definitely a tendency for it's a symptom treatment that makes a lot of money, right? For example, you could buy contact lenses online till very recently you just pop online, you put in the doctors and off you go. Now, they, again, lobbying happened where they said this can't be going on, right? Because the the optometrists, the, the online shop charges like forty percent less than the optometrist, so they don't want people going to the to the online shop. They want to go. They want them to go to the local shop. So like, you can't buy these things without a quote unquote prescription. Trying to get that business back, right? Like it's it is a murky waters because there's a lot of money involved.
1: I guess that's the case with anything where there's a lot of money involved.
2: Yeah, and that's why I try not to talk too loudly too much of the
1: time. Right. I mean, I I guess this is just a strategy to try to... um, uh, heal. I'm, I'm trying to heal my knee without surgery now. And it turns out that I found a great physical therapist who discovered that my quad muscles were so knotted up and, and dysfunctional and not firing correctly that it caused knee pain. But in, a, in an alternative world, I would have been uh, going and getting MRIs and, and exploratory surgery and who knows what, because the knee pain's real. It's hurt me for six months every day, but it's, you know, to step back and try to try to go for that cause I wonder Jake if we you know if we had like talk show format here if we were if we were in studio in person and we brought in a leading ophthalmologist or optometrist um what what kind of uh, devil's advocate experience would you uh would you predict
2: there so and again I used to be really anti-optometry I used to be really outspoken about it because it affected me personally the things that go on are just really questionable when Optometry and ophthalmology, peer reviewed clinical science journal clearly say it's not genetic. It's a strain symptom and then it becomes lens induced. The, the treatment causes more myopia. My, I, my approach to fixing it, welcome to question, right? Like that is, a, <laughs> that is a long shot, crazy internet guy thing. But what caused it and the fact that the lenses make it worse is basically fact. Yeah, Google right? Scholar.
1: So, if you don't like Jake's take care of people, Go on to Google Scholar,
2: right? Yeah. So there's there's that there's that aspect, and then I get so much stuff, insider stuff, because just it's a big. I mean, myopia has gotten pretty big. Like I have sales documents that that lens manufacturers present to optometrists in big meetings, discussing the same science I discuss. They know about this. This is not unknown. It may not be known to your local optometrist. Entirely possible. But by and large, this is known. And what I say, and I don't want to sound like conspiracy theory, but they don't address this if there's no patentable, marketable, profitable product involved. Mm-hmm. And I've been saying this for so long. Recently, these contact lenses came out called my contact lenses. And what they do is they have rings of changing focal planes, trying to reduce the hyperopic to focus. Right, so the hyperopic defocus is the thing that the light converges behind the retina, makes your eye grow longer, makes your eyesight worse. So this contact lens is designed with these rings to reduce or eliminate hyperopic defocus to not make your eyesight worse while you wear them. Hmm. If you look at how they explain how this works, all magic. It's not genetic, right? the 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 glasses cause more myopia and they're saying, hey, glasses cause more myopia, but now we have these new contact lenses that will prevent this from happening. Never discussed before until there was a patented marketable product. Right now you got expensive contact lenses. Now all of a sudden we know about this. Wow. You know.
1: That's wild. Yeah. Well I'm I'm thinking of uh another uh, podcast guest good friend of mine Dr Ron Sinha and he, he talks about um the prescribing of statins to some of his patients and he says you know what I'll give statins to someone who refuses to change their diet or exercise and it was such a great way to to point it because um, clearly there's a better way. We know all the drawbacks of statins. We know you can correct these things with diet and exercise and lifestyle modification really quickly in a matter of weeks when it comes to adverse blood values. But a lot of people, just like you said at the start of the show, if you don't care and you don't mind throwing on that pair, knowing it's going to get worse and worse throughout life and you de- you don't care about those uh, real-time Sort of inadequacies in your life experience when you're wearing glasses, then I think you're ideal candidate for uh, continued visits to the optometrist. And uh, you mentioned uh, you made a funny face when when you mentioned surgery, so I'd like you to address that. And I mean, it seems very popular these days, but what what's the um, what's the drawbacks there
2: too? Um, The surgery. I. (laughs) You go to Google and you type in the name Morris Waxler, Doctor Morris Waxler. He, was, he led the FDA team that got LASIK approved. He was the main dude who, made, who got LASIK through, right? Like they, the FDA looks into it. Is this going to get approved? Can we do this? Is it a good idea? Look at what his opinion is now. This is not just some kook on the mm-hmm. internet. This is the FDA guy. He says, should have never done that. Worst mistake of his life. Terrible, terrible, terrible idea. That is the dude, right? That is the guy in the FDA that got the thing approved. You can go to LASIK complications, uh, mm. the website, tons of stories there. The flap apparently doesn't heal properly ever. The big problem with, with, with laser surgery is it's not a fix. It is a, the same as a contact lens, except that it's cut directly into your eye, right? So if your vision has been getting progressively worse, then the LASIK is not going to stop that. The LASIK is just the next higher adopter number, mm. right? If every year your vision got a little bit worse, after LASIK, the next year your vision is still going to be a little bit worse. It only works if your myopia is stable, right? Like mm. for, for one. And then a lot of the side effects are not treatable. So, right? Like if you start having super dry eyes or you start seeing flares at night, whatever the many side effects that can happen, can't do anything about it. So for something that you could just remedy with a little bit of time and patience on your own, without invasive procedures, it's a pretty high risk. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. I don't work at the FDA. This is one guy's opinion, basically. Yeah. I also want to say statins. My my parents are both physicians. My mm. dad loves statins. Loves statins, and he will not hear anything when I when I send him documentaries. Doc- studies anything he just won't look at it he's like if you want to die from a heart attack fine Mm. right so experiencing this firsthand like these things become belief systems right like you believe it you choose to believe it and once you do that's it that's the story optometry similar thing so what you said earlier about being confronted by an optometrist i try to be respectful of it is part of a belief system and Years ago, I used to attack them a lot because it's kind of easy to do, where now I'm trying to be a little bit more considerate and go, okay, you're, you're coming from a place that is where you have this ingrained belief that it's this way, right? But if we look at some of the science, maybe we can take a step forward from where you were and look at what are maybe some alternatives that may serve people better than just classes.
1: Yeah, well yeah. said. I appreciate that. I mean, we're, we're also talking about like you said, well-meaning people operating within a distinct paradigm where the person comes in and they want to do the best job possible uh, sending them away with perfect vision. And I think the wild card here that we uh, must recognize is that if you're willing to make a little bit of effort, and I think I mentioned to you uh, long ago when, when we first met, I, I bought a book, this is probably at least 20 years ago now. And I think the title was "How to Improve Your Vision Without Glasses." And it was an exciting way to. And, and I read through the book, and and the uh, the doctor said, "Look, with uh, with just forty minutes a day of doing this series of exercises, you can uh, improve your vision and, and throw your glasses away someday." And it was probably a lot of validity to. Um, you know, the eye strengthening and the muscles and the different things you're supposed to do. But of course, 40 minutes a day, I don't think anybody would, you know, raise their hand for that challenge. So it kind of turned me off after the initial exposure. I remember doing the exercises a little bit here and there and being fascinated by the the trombone drill where you're focusing on your finger as you bring it right up to your nose and then further away. But uh, what you're advocating is something quite different. So let's like uh, drill down a little bit on that on that blur strategy and how someone can expect to try to drop that uh, quarter diopter every three months, meaning that one diopter per year is a reasonable, a reasonable goal to improve your vision literally.
2: Yeah. So my approach is habit-based. I found in my lazy, lazy, terrible life is that (laughs) I don't usually follow through with things unless they become a habit. Hmm. Right. So, Exercises eye exercises. If you're at a minus five, best case scenario, five years you're rid of classes. Going to be more like six probably. You know, somewhere in that range. The last out that takes a little while, things happen. You're not going to spend six years doing eye exercises, right? Also, not that effective because while you're looking at the screen, you're creating strain, right? Mm. So, no matter 40 what. Forty minutes of eye. Yeah, right. So the 40 I, I finished my 40
1: minutes of eye exercises. Now I'm behind on my work and I, I got to go jump on the screen for six
2: hours straight. I, I basically negated it, it sounds like. Yeah. So instead I'm saying, put the screen at a distance where your eyesight is slightly challenged all the time, right? So you're just working your normal regular eight hour screen day, but now you have glasses when you lean back a little bit, a little bit of blur, you blink at it, you clear it up, you challenge your eyesight, you're never getting so close. What I see people do is they're wearing their full distance glasses and they have the phone like just this close to their face. Terrible idea, right? It's just a terrible idea. So starting to get in the habit of understanding that the closer you hold something that you look at, the tighter that muscle is. Mm. And distance is your friend, right? So I don't generally use my phone for any kind of media consumption. The screen's small, so the immersion distance is very close. I defer all that to a bigger screen later, Mm. right? So even if it comes to messages and email, where I used to just grab my phone and answer stuff, maybe I'll bring an iPad and I'll pop in a coffee shop for an hour. Just avoiding this, right? Because the closer you get, the tighter that muscle is. Even if you're
1: not wearing glasses?
2: Yes. The, the closer uh-huh. anything is, the tighter that muscle gets. So If you have presbyopia, you're actually exercising, so it's a different...
1: In yeah, a different so story. Don't, don't engage uh, with that tight focus for long periods, which is basically what we're doing with mobile devices now for the first time in the history of humanity.
2: Yeah, and this okay. is why you see five-year-olds with glasses, right? Because they, they, they let them play games and watch cartoons, <laughs> and their little toddler arms yeah. are quite short, so <laughs> well, the muscles are very tight. That too, that too, yeah. Oh mercy! Okay, all right. So you you have a habit. So now you have a close up habit. When you sit in front of your computer, the glasses give you a tiny bit of blur. You're just you're, you're building the habit of distance. Is my friend? I'm looking for that blur. I'm challenging myself. And then once you're very proficient at that, you do the same thing with distance vision, right? Like you'll wear your old glasses driving, nighttime movie theater, but a perfectly nice sunny day outside while you're going for a walk, you don't need those things. You can go a quarter-dop, a half-dop, lower, right? Enjoy the same environment with a tiny little bit of challenge. And that becomes, if I'm going for a walk when I was wearing glasses, I'm always wearing the the normalized, the slightly lower distance glasses. And I look at street signs and license Mm. plates and Mm. just challenging my eyesight for an hour for that walk. Right? So, And that becomes a habit because you just mm. go for a walk. Every time you see a sign, you just kind of focus on, can I read the thing? And that, that those habits become the autopilot that get you from a minus five to twenty-twenty, eventually.
1: So going in and getting a, a backup pair, I guess, and thinking of your glasses as an as-needed basis rather than a constant crutch... You're kind of changing your mentality here. You're appreciating that it's okay to blur a little bit. I I recall optometrists saying the direct opposite to me when I, I I told them I tried not to use my distance vision glasses too often. Uh, And they said, oh, well, that's a bad idea. Your eyes are going to get worse because um, you're straining all the time. So, (laughs) I mean, uh, that's partially,
2: it's not completely incorrect, but it's 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 not it's like showing a lack of understanding of the biology because the glasses will make your eyes worse. Hyperopic to focus, right? Like lens-induced myopia glasses will make your eyes worse. So you're correct and they're correct because they're correct in that if you, if you have a minus three and you don't wear glasses, yes, you're straining. And yes, you'll get headaches. And yes, your eyesight may... It's not going to get worse per se, but you're going to have a not great experience in general.
1: Okay, so that's why you... Uh, are suggesting this blur, this, this minimal blur zone, not crazy, um, rip the glasses off your face and, and struggle through life and fall on the manhole cover.
2: Yeah, Too, too that, much is not good. Too much, it's all strain, right? It's just like going to the gym, lifting weights or going mm. for a run. You're not starting with a 10-mile run when you haven't run at all because that amount of challenge is just strain. Right, Like you you would have gotten something out of the first mile, but the other nine are just messing yourself up. The same thing happens when I had minus five and I started reading all this biology stuff. I threw away the minus five, I bought a minus three. Mm. It was a guess. It was 20 mm. years ago, didn't know what I was doing. So my blur horizon distance, the, the amount of clear vision I had, how far I could see clearly was greatly reduced. Eventually I got to 2020 with a minus three, but it took a long time and it was no fun. Right. If I would have gone to minus four point five instead, I would have had a much more chill experience mm. with that first mile, which is all I
1: really needed. Right. And you, um, some people might quit if the first mile is too tough, the first workout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, if listeners are interested, what I did with my um, with my computer was I just increased the font size and the zoom size of all windows. And then I realized that I, I didn't I didn't need the the lenses, so that was a pretty simple adjustment to uh, to progress, you know, gracefully. And um, like I've talked to you about, when my eyes get tired at the end of a long day, and I still need to be on the screen, then I reach for those glasses on that as-needed basis.
2: Yeah. Also, lighting, right? Of what you said before, like if if the office can be in a natural lit environment, much less strenuous to do that same thing, right? And it's also fine, like to just instead of going without glasses, cold turkey is just to make a reduction to where maybe you don't quite need to increase the font size. You just get a little bit of challenge. What you're doing is fine, but it's just, it takes such a little bit of stimulus to make the improvement. The main, the main, main, main thing with people not improving their eyesight is they spend way too much time with close-up, right? Like pulling a phone out of the pocket a hundred times a day. And yeah. Every time you do that, ciliary muscle whoops all the way to tight right and getting it to relax again maybe you need an hour walk just Mm. to get your ciliary spasm ciliary muscle from not spasming so none of that hour walk may have been stimulus to increase your distance vision right because you needed that much just to get away from the strain and a lot of times people underestimate how addicted they are to that really short distance (sighs) counting.
1: Yeah, well, you know, a text message comes in during your hour hike, and you got. Of course, you have to stop and answer the ding. So, it's it's tough to get away from man. I I appreciate the uh, the inspiration I mean.
2: here. I oh, the
0: thing, the and watch. I got it Yeah,
2: because what happens? What you'll notice is if you go for an hour walk and you pull the phone out of your pocket three times just for a minute. At the end of your walk, your Q&A is not your your distance vision won't be the same as if you just had a walk. There's something about that muscle. You, you put it back into where it's spasmed, it doesn't want to relax. Right. Don't ask me why. It's a it's an experience thing rather than I can explain the biology perfectly. Mm-hmm. So habits, again, where I'm like, okay, so I bought the stupid Apple Watch thing and I tweaked all my notifications that I only get on there what I really need or what's going to make me anxious if I don't know about Right, but this is not getting me because on the phone you get all your other notifications, and mm. while you're already on there, you click the link and you answer the thing and you do the thing. With this, I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm going to take care of that later. Mm. Right, so that's why I mean it's like more like a little university course where you're you're tweaking your lifestyle slowly in a direction to not be so strain focused. Love, love it, Jake
1: Steiner. You've given us tons of food for thought and inspiration. Uh, So endmyopia.org is the great place to connect. And I know you have a big Facebook uh, following too, where you can get um, some great consultation and uh, tell us all the other ways we can uh, find you and and start trying this out.
2: So endmyopia.org, there's a resources link on there that has all of the various access points. There's the Facebook group. The Facebook group is a nice starting point. I have a seven day email guide that walks you through all these basics because this is kind of overwhelming. The site is kind of overwhelming. It has over 1200 articles that I've written mm. over the past decade plus so that the seven days kind of compresses things into you have a starting point. And then the Facebook group is super handy after you have a little bit of a basic understanding, tons of people in there it has like 19,000 or so members. I think we also have a forum that's super active I prefer the forum because it's a little bit less social Mm. media-y. There's a terrible YouTube channel that I rant (laughs) on occasionally. Um, Some people prefer the format or listening to it. We have a small little tiny podcast where we talk about people's firsthand improvements. Also under there, under resources. Um, Also links to all the various apps. So if you want to play with distance measuring apps, log tools, like there's a PC app Mm. software piece that, that is free that lets you log all your results and it gets pretty funky technical because like you can look at red letters versus green letters gives you different acuity mm. and you can get really kind of specific with your measurement results logging keeping track of results i highly recommend because it gives you tangible data right just like with diet stuff like if you know mm. your triglycerides are sky high you know you have a tangible piece of data that says i should a- address what i eat it's the same thing with the eyesight measurements. Like if, if things are improving and improving and improving and then they're going down, and it it was the same time as you got a new Netflix subscription. Now you have data where you go, well, this is not good for me. Right. Love so it. all of that stuff in the resources on the website. Right on. Thank you
1: so much for taking the time from across the world to share the message. Listeners, go check out endmyopia.org. Thank you, Jake Steiner. Da-da-da-da.
0: Make sure every salad is dressed for success with Primal Kitchen dressings and marinades. Versatile, flavorful, and unique, use Primal Kitchen dressings to marinate meats, dunk veggies, and add complexity to your favorite salads. With keto-certified, certified certified paleo, and Whole30-approved options, finding your salad soulmate is a snap. Choose from updated classics like Ranch, Caesar, Italian, Balsamic, honey mustard or greek or get adventurous with aromatic sesame ginger zesty cilantro lime creamy vegan ranch or tangy lemon turmeric avocado oil based these dressings vinaigrettes and marinades are an easy primal approved way to upgrade any dish so use the code primal blueprint to take 20 percent off your purchase at checkout